Hi everyone, I'm Dee. And I'm Alex. And together, we're DNA. And you're listening to the DNA of Mindful Relationships podcast. Today, we thought we'd talk about something that's quite an important element in any relationship, and that is communication. So in every relationship, uh, communication, I guess, is in many cases just taken for granted that, hey, we talk, there's a problem, we'll talk about it, Uh, sometimes we'll yell at each other, sometimes we'll argue about it, that's communication. But Dee, I'd like to ask you, is that really what communication or effective communication is mm. in a relationship. I'm glad you use that word, Alex, effective, because we all talk. You're right. Everyone thinks they know how to communicate and talk. But today we're going to talk about how to communicate effectively so that your partner actually understands and listens to what you have to say. But Alex, before I do that, Uh-oh. there's... Um, <laughs> Something I I just want to go over from our last episode. Um, When I was talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse that Dr. John Gottman um, coined um, to do with those four factors in a relationship that predict the relationship breakdown, I actually forgot one of them. And I want to to be able to just go over them again. Is that all right? Sure. (laughs) See how um, we communicate? Because <laughs> I know I know people listening will be thinking, what was the fourth horseman? They haven't they haven't been able to sleep since yes, that last episode. That's right. So I want to just go over them. The first one is criticism. So that includes verbally attacking uh, personality or character. So attacking someone's personality or character. Criticism. The second one is contempt. Uh, attacking a sense of self when an intent to insult or abuse. And the third one is defensiveness. This is the one I forgot. Hmm. Uh, defensiveness. Uh, victimizing yourself to ward off a perceived attack and reverse the blame. So you're defending yourself against an attack. And the fourth one is stonewalling. Withdrawing to avoid conflict and convey disapproval, distance and separation. So... These are actually really um, significant when it comes to effective communication because mm. they're all examples of very poor styles of communication and ineffective communication. So I wanted to just um, go over those again for those that were you know, missing out <laughs> and thought that they um, didn't quite understand it. But one of the things that um, I wanted to cover in this session, in this episode, is about um, communicating effectively so that you get heard, but listening effectively so that you understand. What's that? Huh? What? (laughs) I knew you'd say that. So let's look at um, communicating without blame. Yep. Because if we take one of the four horsemen, criticism, I think one of the biggest errors people make is when they get upset and angry... It's human nature to um, attribute blame to somebody else and you're pointing the finger at someone, anyone but yourself. I don't know what you mean. Well, (laughs) let me, I'm pointing the finger at you right now, Alex. So, um, 
So communicating without blame and criticism is really important. And one, without going in depth into every one of these you know, ways of communicating, one easy, quick, simple tip is use I statements. Take out the word you, Y-O-U, um, from your statement. So if I say to you... So take that out of the set. So if, if I, I say, say that to I, you, <laughs> that's not going to work. All right. Here, let me, let me give you an example. If I said, Alex, you always leave the dishes out overnight and you always leave the dishes for me to do. That sounds like what to you? Uh, well, you're blaming me for leaving the dishes yeah. out. Yeah. So if we got rid of the you statement, you do this and you do that, and if I said to you, Alex, I'd really like it if you could... Um, wash the dishes. Oh, I thought you were going to say, Alex, I always leave the dishes. <laughs> I thought we were replacing the word you. Well, we want to be um, authentic and realistic oh, too. Right. I yep. never leave dishes out. <laughs> Where was that horseman again? <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, truth-telling is an important part of communication as right. well. Um, no, but if, if I was to say, Alex, it's really important for me, again, it's an eye-focus, um, I'd like it if you could wash the dishes after you use them. Would that be okay? Aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> and then that gives you a chance to respond. So the difference is with the use statement, you feel blamed and criticised. What do you want to do when you're blamed and criticised? Well, you're going to retract them or you're going to get your back up and go into defensive mode. Yes, which is another one of the horsemen. Ah, See, the horsemen are really A lot awful. of horse doo-doo everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um... So you do, you get defensive, you, you become attacking yourself um, because it might start that conflict of, well, but you leave the dishes out as well. Mm. And then attack becomes the best form of defense and it yes. just sort of spirals up. So what happens is the argument stops becoming about the dishes and it starts becoming about um, the relationship. Um, and it really becomes, or the underlying message is you don't respect me, mm-hmm. or you don't care about me, or you don't understand me. So it's a variation of one of those things. And isn't often, I was listening to a podcast recently, I think it was Casey Neistat, and he was just saying that um, people often will um, go and see a counsellor because they're seeking basically translation of what their partner yes. is trying to say to them, because they'll often argue about something and really it's about them not connecting you know so it's either going past or because you've triggered something in the other person then that person is completely interpreting it differently um and then you are not connecting and engaging about what the actual message is but really each of your subjective views of that communication Yeah, well, in my couples therapy sessions, I often feel like an interpreter. Mm. So, and what I'm interpreting, I'm I'm gaining an understanding of each of the partner's uh, worldviews, their past experiences, and combining that all together to have an understanding of why are they saying what they're saying. And then I'm interpreting that to the other partner. And often when that happens, they're like, oh, okay, I didn't realise that. Mm. But... That's why therapy is really important because everyone has their blinkers on when it comes to their own issues. And we're talking about 
um, past childhood issues or previous relationship issues, um, or, or it might be more recent than that, you know, things that have impacted um, on them at work. But people have blinkers on, it's really hard to see your own issues, and that's why a good therapist should have their own therapy as well. Mm. And never see a therapist that hasn't done their own therapy, Alex. Why are you looking at me? (laughs) I see a therapist every day. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Bob Billington. Yeah. So I often feel like an interpreter. And if couples can learn to interpret for themselves, then they won't enter into as many conflicts and and dramas because that's where you um, get caught up in the drama of who's right and who's wrong. But isn't it often also that a couple will go and see a counsellor because they want someone impartial. And the reason they want someone impartial to, I guess, umpire their argument is because the other person is viewing it in a way that is either triggered or is whatever. It's emotionally charged. And so in order for them to um, have an effective discussion about whatever the issue is... um, they need to be able to find some way to connect on common ground, which often they can't when they're by themselves. Mm. But what we're espousing is if you take a step back and you recognise that this is what's going on, a couple between themselves uh, should be able to find a way to communicate effectively and walk in the other person's shoes and understand what is it that they need to hear from you and how do they need to hear that mm. Um, so that they feel that they're being heard and listened to and not just talked at. That's right. So no one wants to um, be attacked. No one wants to be criticised. No one wants to be told what to do. It's just human nature. And um, if, if you can personally take responsibility with how you communicate, so rather than waiting for your partner to communicate more effectively or to find, you know, um, more, I guess, affectionate ways of communicating or to be nicer in their communication, then take charge of your communication style. And I guess this is what what we're talking about in terms of I statements. Now, here's another one that Mm -hmm. you could try. It's called mirroring. Hard to say. Mirror yeah. ring. You just said there's something that you could try. <laughs> Shouldn't it be that I should try? Well, it was a little hint. <laughs> oh, right, it was a little, okay. little hint. I'm getting back to that I thing. <laughs> okay, so when you mirror what somebody has said, it actually helps them feel heard. So if I was to say to you, actually, Alex, why don't you make a statement to me? And I'll mirror back to you in a way that is, is a bit more effective. Right, so a statement might be, uh, D, um, you were quite late coming over last night, and so I felt a little bit um, disrespected that you weren't on time because you know that we had to be somewhere that was really important to me. But, but you're often late. You're often late. Why are you blaming me for being late last night? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh. I just threw him off because... I thought this was going to be a positive discussion. <laughs> I wanted to give an example of how, you know, shocking it is. The look on your face was, my God, I wasn't expecting to be yeah. attacked for something that I was just expressing. Yeah. So let's do it again. And this time I'm genuinely going to mirror it back. All right. 
So D, I was quite upset last night that you came over fairly late and it just meant we were late at this function that you know was really important for me to attend and I just felt a little disrespected. So Alex, what you're saying is that you were a bit upset that I arrived late and you felt it made you feel disrespected because you didn't want to be late to this function. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So notice that I checked in with you whether it's correct because I can hear one thing and turn it into something else, but I need to check in with you that I got it right. Yeah. Yeah? And what was that like for you? Well, besides being a little repetitive, because <laughs> I just said it, but no, it obviously you, it, it confirmed to me that you'd heard what I'd said, and then you asked for my approval that what you had confirmed back to me was correct. Okay. So this is the thing, like um, the example we're using isn't a real example. Yeah, because I'm never and... late. Is that, is that okay. the reason? No? You can think that. Right. Sometimes you're late, but that's okay. Sometimes I'm late. <laughs> Let's not get into the who, who's said, late more. Who, who's late more than the other? Okay. Um, yeah, and I think mirroring can sound a bit robotic and a bit kind of staged, but it, it's really something that's useful when things are uh, become difficult and conflictual and... You're conflictual. Not, yeah, and you're not getting your point of, across. But it's actually it's, it's actually something that's used in business as well. Is so that? yeah, so if you're in a business meeting or something, to mirror someone else is to show that you're in alignment with them. Yeah. Right. And so you would rephrase back to them something that they've said, which shows that you've understood what they've had to say, and you've understood their concerns. Yeah. And. So I can understand how it works, obviously, in all sorts of situations. Yeah, and you can mirror in nonverbal ways as well. Like you can stand in a similar way or sit in a similar way that um, is the the mirror image of what the other person is doing, and it shows and it shows an understanding and a connection with the other. Um, the opposite of that would be turning away from that person physically yep. um, and not having eye contact, particularly in our culture, because mm -hmm. it's important to have eye contact when you're talking about important issues. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other little tip. Yeah. Do you want me to just go through? I'll just yeah. keep going with my little tips. I like your little tips. Validating what the other person has said is really important as well. So showing some understanding of... Um, why that's important to them. So mirroring is, is paraphrasing essentially to show that you've heard, but validating is showing understanding of why it's significant. Mm -hmm. So in this example, yep. me validating you might sound like, I really get that it's important for you to be there on time because it was a significant event and you wanted to be there on time. So it's, it just goes a little bit deeper into yep. um, showing that something is very important to you, yep. but it may not be important to me. Mm. Okay. But you're acknowledging that you understand that it's important yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. The next step might be, and this is a really critical one as well, is ask if there's more. Because sometimes, um, you know, everyone's, when, when we're emotionally charged with, um, an issue, we may not remember that there's actually more to say. So asking, is there more about this? 
Because how many times have you brought up an issue, people move on to the next thing, and you think, oh. They're... I still have unfinished business. I know, there was mm. something else I wanted to say, <laughs> but now we've moved on. So respecting that possibility with your partner, and these are, can I just say, I've used the word partner, but these are little tips you can use with anybody, your children, your friend, your workmate, your colleague, whatever. Um, but asking is there more actually just allows them to go, oh, actually there is something else I'd like to add or no, thank you. I appreciate that you've given me that so extra space. Let me take uh, the position of um, by doing that, am I not potentially opening up a can of worms? So if I'm, you know, if we could potentially put that, to bed, mm-hmm. and then I'm going. So to speak. Yeah, and then I say, "Well, is there anything else you'd like to get off your chest?" No, no, not about anything else. And this is where couples um, get into deep, deep mud. Yeah. I was going to say something else because one thing will just follow onto another, onto another, and yeah. you find yourself spiraling. So there are some rules or agreements that are worth making, particularly between couples. That you don't, an agreement that um, you don't bring up the past, for example, mm-hmm. particularly if it's like, yeah, actually there is more. Um, I'm, I'm still angry with you because of the way you treated my mother, mm-hmm. you know, five years ago. Yeah. So that's not what this space is for. The is there more space is particularly about the issue that was just discussed. Yeah. So the current issue. And without making some of these agreements, so the agreements really need to be don't bring up the past, keep it positive, so we don't want to obviously use um, criticisms or negative terms about each other. Yeah. Um, what other agreements? Uh, and also an agreement to not let a problem fester, not an agreement as a couple to bring things up. So there's almost an expectation that, if there's something concerning me, I would definitely bring it up. Yeah. So. And, that's, and that's often an issue between couples um, that I guess they can have something to say, but either not bring it up because either it's going to be confronting and they just prefer to avoid it um, or one uh, one person in the couple is less communicative and so they just figure that um you know it's better to leave it unsaid because all it's going to do is cause an issue and often i hear that you know that many many women will say you know my husband he's just just not a good communicator you know Mm. he doesn't talk well about stuff he doesn't get stuff off his chest he doesn't share it and so it's very hard to to understand where mm. he feels and you know where he sits on the on the matter. Yeah, often I find people that aren't appear that don't appear to be good communicators. They're very quiet or shut down. They're actually very highly emotional, sensitive people. Mm-hmm. So I would be looking at the environment and seeing how safe it is for them to open up. Mm-hmm. And safety is not about physical safety. Yeah, it's about emotional safety because if I bring up something. If I feel unsafe and I bring up something that's important to me and I get shut down, I'm never going to bring it up again. Yeah. And so creating an environment of safety, and this is where the agreements come in. So if I have agreements and we actually both stick to the agreements, I start to feel safe or safer around you. Yeah. And unfortunately, when couples create bad habits where 
issues are being brought up and then um, what develops eventually is a fight, yeah. it's not a very safe environment to, to bring up important issues. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not necessarily because a partner may not be a good communicator. So, yeah, just wanted to highlight that as well. Mm. Interesting. So, Dee, obviously you're uh, a professional uh, psychologist and couples counsellor. I'm glad you added the professional psychologist, not just a professional. (laughs) (laughs) And so, obviously, you have to deal with this um, quite often, and communication, I'm guessing, would be a significant part of the reason that couples come to you. What's what's your... um, What's your advice to them? I know you, you've talked about the four horsemen and everything, but what's your advice when they come in and they're, they're seeming like they're very confrontational with each other and it's an uneasy situation? How do you get a couple like that to start to open up to communicate, to start the process of healing? That's a really good question. I think um, because as a facilitator of the process, I can actually tell someone to shut up. But I don't do it like that, obviously. I do it in a nice way. And it's it's almost like they need, um, it's like an, you know, um, an orchestra conductor. They need someone to conduct the conversation and to guide them. And so I'll often get the person that talks the most in the relationship, I'll get them to stop and listen to the other. So the other ha- has free reign just to talk. Because what's happening is it's like, um, people are st- um, stopping, or sorry, people are listening, but they're listening for the gap in the conversation yeah. to say, and this is another thing, and this is another thing I need to tell you, and this is how you've affected me. So they're really listening for the gaps, and sometimes they're not even waiting for a gap, they're just talking over each other, and that's not very effective listening. And um, I'll so taking charge of that situation or control that situation and saying, you need to stop, listen to what your partner has to say. And then what I'll do is I'll train them and teach them how to listen in a more active way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there, there are ways, and I guess even if you haven't come to a counsellor and you're still having trouble in a relationship, then you can set those rules and say, you know, why don't we just have the space here to be able to talk without the other person jumping on top and so to speak and um you know uh, talking over each other and one person trying to dominate so is it about establishing rules for for good communication yeah definitely i think is it that formal well there's a bit of a myth that uh, a relationship should just flow naturally Mm-hmm. And communication should flow naturally. I think we spoke about that in the previous yeah, episode about a perfect relationship. But what, why, why can't we talk about the rules around communicating? Why I would encourage, and I do, the couples that I work with, to set up the rules and guidelines. If we're, if we're both agreeing on what they are, then we can both hold each other accountable and then we can guide the relationship the way we want it. How exciting is that? I know I get excited about couples therapy. <laughs> I find that exciting because you're actually transforming the relationship and and molding it the way that you as a couple want want it to go. You're not being dictated and led by an emotional history because you're both bringing your you know your past um, 
baggage, if you like. I mean, that's a very common term that's used, but it's a broad term to mean all the, um, the hurt, the anger, the resentment, the pain from the past, and then dumping it on each other. Mm. It's not fun. No, not fun. And you know, I guess, when you've had an argument or, you know, there's there's some tension there that you've got a knot in your stomach and you, you want to find a way to fix it, but there's this obstacle. And the only way to clear that obstacle is actually to talk it out and to move forward. Because if you can't come together on that, then you, the obstacle remains. And you know from previous... Um, you know, from previous experiences when this similar sort of thing has happened, that once you get past it, everything's good again and you feel good and you feel maybe even closer to the other person once you've resolved that issue. And, of course, there is that bonus of makeup sex. But um, Yes, which we'll talk about in another episode. (laughs) However, I think, um, yeah, and that's what we're talking about. The um, when, When I said transformational is if you feel safe to explore your needs and wants and desires within a relationship and that is supported and I'm not saying everything that you say your partner should agree with either. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. But if you feel safe to open up and share that and you can both navigate through that, then the relationship is transformed into something else each time. That's what makes it exciting. Yeah, and I I think it's true because if I think back to my previous experiences where you know, I've wanted to open up and felt that, you know, by opening up, you actually make yourself vulnerable and then the other person attacks you for it, then, you know, you feel, well, why will I open up again? And so I think if if one person in the relationship is is thinking, well, I want them to talk, you know, talk, open up to me and talk, Mm. but at the same time, I'm jumping down their throat and then I'm wondering why they won't be open about it, well, there's the answer. It's got to be a safe space to be able to do that. That's right. And I think, Alex, um, and I don't want to talk on your behalf, but I think we both come from previous histories where we've shut down because we haven't felt safe. Would Mm. that be right for you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, And for different reasons. Um, I know that I've had to work on um, rather than necessarily waiting for someone else to make it safer for me, I've had to build up my inner resources and so my confidence, um, feeling my self-esteem, feeling like I have a right to say what I need to say. So that has helped um, in all my relationships, um, you know, with you, yeah. my current relationship, and all my work relationships and, and family relationships because, again, I mean, you, taking responsibility for communicating um, is the best thing you can do. And that's such a broad statement because there's many ways that you can do that. And one of the best ways is to be in touch with what you're feeling, to be aware of what's going on for you. Because when you've been shut down so many times and you often feel scared, you there, there's, a, um, there's a process that's going on where you stop feeling those feelings or you stop acknowledging those feelings. Um, and then after a time, you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So the first step is to recognize what you're feeling and why you're feeling and what you're wanting so that you can then acknowledge it and share it with your partner. Yeah. So that's the first step. 
Yeah. And a lot of people struggle with that because they haven't had the opportunity to, or the time, or taken the time and space to reflect on their own feelings. And I think it's it's an important thing that you say there because I can imagine there are situations where one person in a relationship chooses not to express to their partner how they feel or or their mm. opinion about certain things because they just don't want to have to deal with the aftermath of that. Yeah. And so by not actually being authentic and discussing it, resentment builds up. Yes. And then all of a sudden you've got this resentment, but the other person hasn't actually had the chance to actually have their say on that particular thing. Yeah. So you can actually create a self-fulfilling prophecy where you said, well, if I say this, they're going to react like this. And so you don't. And then you feel resentful towards them already. And so to be defensive, you go on the attack. And all of a sudden you've got this imagined mm. outcome that actually becomes the real outcome. Yeah. Because what's happening is that because, because we're scared or we're intimidated, we make an assumption that we won't say it because we don't want to upset the other but what, what it really is, we don't say it because we're scared of the outcome, scared of the consequences. And if, if we all stop um, imagining what the other person might say or do, because it's almost irrelevant, um, as long as you're respectful in your communication, as long as you're authentic and respectful and it's about you, then how the other person manages it is up to them. It's not your responsibility. That's a really difficult lesson or, or um, skill to teach, but it comes with practice. The more you can take responsibility for your feelings and stop assuming what the other person needs or, or protecting the other person or whatever it is that you're trying to do in your imagination, then the more authentic the relationship will be. Yeah. So it is, it's important to be authentic and, you know, a lot of people just lack confidence to be authentic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but obviously if you're not able to be you, um, then resentment does build up and then that drives a lot of the, the things that you do mm. because then you're driven by fear or you're driven by, um, you know, the potential for a particular outcome when really... You haven't even allowed that the real outcome to to show itself. That's right, yeah. And Alex, here's another um, little tip. Yeah. Okay, that I often use this with my couples. And when, when one of the couples, um, one of the partners shares this bit of information, sorry, I'm just looking for it on my phone. <laughs> there it is. When, when these statements are used, the other party, whoever that is, male, female, just almost, you know, sighs with relief because it's, it's, they are the words that they've been waiting to hear. Okay. Honey, I'll wash the dishes tonight. <laughs> no? <laughs> um, no. What it is, yeah. is when someone's hurting and something's happened and they feel like they've been done wrong by or, or something's gone wrong, to be able to, and we'll go over all those other steps and I'll summarise them in a moment, but to be able to listen to your partner in a very um, active way 
So the mirroring we talked about, yeah. paraphrasing, the validating, that's all actively listening to your partner. Okay, so you're not passively sitting there going, okay, uh-huh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but here's a statement, and I'm going to give this to the listeners for free. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, honey, darling, whatever words you want to use, you've, you've heard their story, you've heard what's going on for them, you've heard their pain. Is there anything I can do to help? Is there anything I can do to help? Hang on a minute, I've got a whole list. <laughs> you got a whole list, okay. Now, it sounds simple, but that's essentially what people are looking for, support. Yeah. You know, I'm going through this thing, and it might be as minor as the dishes, or it might be as major as, um, you know, someone's hurt them or offended them in a severe way, but is there anything I can do to help? Now, the answer might be yes. Please, if you could just help me with the dishes. Yeah. But the answer might be, there's nothing you can do. Just listening to me right now is enough. Yeah. And that raises an important thing for me because I've often heard, <clears throat> and this is probably as a male, um, sometimes when uh, a partner might say, I just want to tell you this, this is, this is going on. Mm -hmm. And as a male, I want to try and help. I want to try and fix it. I yeah. want to try and find a solution. And the, the response I often hear is, I actually, I don't need you to fix it. I just wanted you to hear me. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we have as male and female, maybe two different ways of communicating. You know, the, the, the woman might want to say something because she wants to just share it and she just wants it to be acknowledged and that's enough. She's not looking for it to be solved. Um, whereas the male is going, well, I'm a practical kind of person. I see there's a problem. Let me just fix it. And yep. the woman will go, well, no, 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 no. I don't want you to do that. Yes. And yep. then you get this miscommunication. Yeah. So is that, does gender play a role in how we communicate? Yeah, look, somewhat. I know that, um, uh, you know, in the book Mars and Venus, Dr. Gray, John Gray, yeah, he often refers to that gender difference. But I've, I've worked with couples where the man just wants to vent and offload and doesn't want the woman to come in and fix it. So it's not always along gender lines. Right. Sometimes it's, it's about the personality as well. But you're right. I mean, we can make an assumption because, you know, we want to be helpful to our partners and our partners just shared something really important to them. And we go, well, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? Why don't you pick up the phone and ring that person? And it's actually quite a frustrating thing to hear yeah. because you're not at that stage yet. If you're sharing some pain, you're just wanting to be heard yeah. and understood and maybe a, a check-in to see if there's anything your partner can do to help. So I've just simplified it into three steps, really. But the most powerful statement you can make is, honey... Is there anything I can do to help? Yeah. And like I said, sometimes just a hug is enough. Um, and most people don't want to be rescued and um, told what to do because it's very disempowering. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're spot on. One other thing I wanted to bring up in, in communication and obviously whether it's having a disagreement or, 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 or whatever 
the ability to say sorry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have trouble just apologizing or saying sorry, but in a similar way that you've just mentioned, like, honey, is there anything I can do to help? Sorry also cuts through a lot of stuff too, purely by saying, you know what, I'm really sorry, I apologize, it was not my intention, can just cut right through that big obstacle that I was talking about that just sits and divides you. Yeah. Um, So how important is that and at what point is apologizing, and this isn't just in intimate relationships, it's any relationship with anyone, Where does an apology become something that is necessary? And when is it something that is you you feel you should do just to move forward, but you don't really yeah. believe it? Yes. Yeah. Well, here's a whole topic in itself because um, sorry is a hard word. <laughs> sorry seems, seems, to, seems to, be, to be the hardest word. Yeah. Um, but it's a very important word in relationships because it's acknowledging that you've made a mistake. But if you're saying sorry, and I'll give an example, which might explain better what I'm trying to say. Um, If you're slapping someone and saying sorry, and then slapping them again and say sorry, didn't mean to slap you, and then slapping them again and say sorry, what happens to the word sorry? Well, it loses any real yeah, meaning. That's right. So it's not an authentic sorry. Yeah. And if sorry is overused, it loses its meaning. That's yeah. exactly it. So, you know, either extreme where you never say sorry, you never acknowledge that you're sorry for, you know, a mistake that was made, or constantly using the word sorry. Sorry, I'll make it up to you. But they never do. And they keep making the same mistake. Yeah. Particularly, you know, the late... The late topic, being late and not on time, yep. that's that's a common one for a lot of people. So, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late, but they don't change yeah. the lateness yet. Yeah. So it's important when it's authentic and it's important um, and it's a powerful way to mend what's happened between you and your partner or you and someone else in a relationship. Um and understanding why you're sorry. Just saying sorry isn't enough. Yeah. So to be able to say, I'm so sorry, I know I hurt you because I did this. Yeah. It's a much deeper version. And you can go even deeper and say, you know, that you make a commitment never to do that again only as much if, as possible. Yeah, only if you're going to stick to that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if you can make a commitment to that person. And sometimes that's harder to do. Um, but generally, you know, it could be sorry about swearing, you know, using the F word directly at your partner and you can say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to not do that again. Yeah. I'm going to work on that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think so, we've covered off a whole lot of stuff around this topic. I mean, communication is such a big thing and there are so many situational, um, you know, experiences we could talk about where communicating in the bedroom, communicating uh, with work colleagues, what's effective communication, like, you know, even being able to have a discussion at work with your boss or with a colleague Mm -hmm. and being able to express yourself. And I think what we've talked about today, those things that apply in an intimate relationship, likewise apply 
um, in other relationships. So I think it c cuts across. Yeah. If you can learn effective communication skills, it applies to all areas of your life. And, you know, it'll enhance your relationship with your partner. It'll enhance your relationship with your kids. The, these skills, you know, when your child, let, let's say a teenage um, son comes in and says, Mum, I want to go on Xbox, and you know they haven't done their homework, you can use these communication skills to kind of have a conversation with them rather than a fight over it or a battle. And you can, you know, you can say, yes, I understand that you want to go on Xbox, on Xbox, but at the same time, I'd like you to do your homework. So when are you going to do your homework? Um, how about I do my homework in half an hour? Great, as long as he sticks to it. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's easy. It takes perseverance and persistence, but you've got to take charge of your own communication. And you know what, Alex? What, Dee? You need to shut up and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great, great topic for today because it really is about not just talking but actually shutting up and listening and then maybe authentically communicating That's as well. It. And, you know, so I think I've learned a lot today. And just to, um, just to make sure I've heard everything you've said, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure that what I've learned today, tell me if I'm correct in yes, saying this. I'm listening. Is that importance of listening mm -hmm. and then utilizing tools such as mirroring yes. and validating yes. are all very important um, things that we can all do uh, in all relationships to help improve our communication skills. Uh, would I be correct in assuming that that is um, the good stuff that I've learned today? You are correct. And that was beautifully stated because there's one more thing oh. that you did right at the end that I, I just, I didn't emphasize enough, and that is the check-in. And if there's one thing you can take away from this podcast is the check-in. So the check-in is, have I got it right? Is that what you mean? You know, is, is that what happened? So checking in with your partner, because we've got to stop assuming that we know what our partner's thinking and feeling. So you did that beautifully, Alex. So I did that beautifully, is yeah. that right? That's right. <laughs> Not you. I did that beautifully. Okay, he's practicing the mirroring now. I'm so. getting it all down pat. <laughs> You're doing really well. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for today's episode. I think we've covered off a lot. Yeah. So it's goodbye from A. <laughs> and it's goodbye from D. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, you can find all our other episodes either on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Better still, subscribe and make sure you're the first to know when a new episode drops. You can also check us out at www.thednaofmindfulrelationships.com or on our Facebook page. We look forward to seeing you next time and until then, stay mindful. Stay mindful.